0: You're listening to the mystical city of god in your podcast i'm father edward looney and throughout the year i'm reading and reflecting on the four volume over 2500 page work by the venerable maria of agrida if you would like to discuss today's readings and share your own thoughts and insights i encourage you to do so on the facebook group page the mystical city of god in your podcast where other readers and listeners are following along let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agurda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria And we are reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 19, Paragraphs 216-221. to 221. 216. Few persons accompanied or followed the Savior and His Most Blessed Mother in those first years, for it was not yet time to call them to a close following of His doctrines. He permitted them to remain in their homes, simply instructing and urging them to a more perfect life by His divine enlightenment. The ordinary companions of the heavenly teachers were the holy angels who served them as most faithful vassals and servants. Although they often returned from these excursions to their home in Nazareth, yet on their journeys they stood more in need of the ministry of these courtiers of heaven. Some of the nights they passed in prayer without any other shelter than that of the sky. And on these occasions the angels protected them and sheltered them from the clemency of the weather. And sometimes they brought food. At other times, the Lord and his mother begged food, refusing to accept any money or other gifts not necessary for their present nourishment. When at times they separated, the Lord Jesus, visiting the sick in hospitals, and his mother, other sick persons, innumerable angels accompanied Mary in visible forms. Through their mediation, she performed some of her works of charity, and was kept informed with the doings of her Most Holy Son. I do not dilate in particular upon the wonders performed by them during this time, nor upon the labors and difficulties encountered on these excursions in the taverns, and from the obstacles which the common enemy placed in their way. It is enough to know that the Teacher of Life and His Most Holy Mother were looked upon as poor pilgrims, and that they preferred the way of suffering without evading any labor deemed advisable for our salvation. 2.17 In this hidden manner, the Divine Master and His Mother spread the knowledge of His coming to all sorts of persons. Yet the poor were more especially the objects of His blessed solicitude. They ordinarily are more capable of God's truths, because they are less burdened with sin and endowed with more light, and because their minds are more free and unhampered by vain anxieties." They are likewise more humble and diligent, subjecting their will and understanding and implying themselves to an upright and virtuous life. Moreover, as during these three years, Jesus did not preach openly, nor with manifest authority confirmed by miracles. He addressed himself rather to the humble and poor, who are led to the truth with less show of authority. Nevertheless, the attention of the ancient serpent was much aroused by many of the doings of Jesus and his mother, for not all of his miracles remained concealed through the power by which they were done, was hidden. Satan saw that, through his words and exhortations, many sinners were brought to penance, amended their life, and escaped his tyranny. Others advanced in virtue, and in all who listened to the teacher of life, the common enemy noticed a great and unheard-of change. 2.18. What enraged him most was that he could not succeed in his attempts with those that were in the throes of death. Though he multiplied his cunning and malice in these last hours of the souls in this life, it often happened that this bloodthirsty dragon, having approached the sick in order to exert his malice, was interrupted by the entrance of Jesus or Mary, and felt a powerful force which hurled him and his demons to the deepest caverns of hell. If Jesus or Mary had previously come to the sick room, the demons could not enter and could exert no influence upon the sick person who thus died in the powerful protection of the Lord. As the dragon felt this divine power without being able to account for it, he conceived an insane rage and anxiously sought means of counteracting the damage. Then happened what I shall relate in the next chapter, as I do not wish to enlarge this present one. Teaching of the Most Holy Queen, Mary, 219. My daughter, I see thee astonished at the information which I give thee concerning the mysterious works of my Most Holy Son, and concerning my own share in them. For thou seest on the one hand how powerful they are for making an impression on human hearts, and on the other that many of them have remained hidden until now. Thy wonder should not be that men have not known these mysteries, but that having been informed of so many others concerning the life and activity of their own and my Lord, they have held them in such contempt and forgetfulness. If they were not so ignoble of heart and would lovingly contemplate the divine truths, they would find in my sons and in my own life, as far as it is known to them, most powerful motives for thankfulness. By the articles of faith and by the many other truths taught and preached in the Holy Church, many worlds could be converted." For these truths exhibit clearly that the only begotten of the Eternal Father clothed himself in the mortal flesh of sinful man, and in order to redeem the human race by the frightful death of the cross, acquiring for them eternal life by the loss of his own, and recalling and liberating them from everlasting death. If this blessing were taken at its true value, and mortals were not so ungrateful to their God and Savior, and so cruel toward themselves, none would lose their chance of salvation or bring upon themselves eternal damnation. In thy amazement, then, my dearest, weep ceaselessly over the terrible loss sustained by so many insane and thankless souls who are forgetful of God, of their duty, and of their own selves. 2.20 On former occasions I have already told thee that the number of those foreknown as doomed is so great, and of those that save themselves, is so small that it is not expedient to say more in particular. For if thou hast the sentiments of a true daughter of the church, the spouse of Christ my Son and Lord, thou wouldst die at seeing such misfortune. What thou mayest know is that all the loss and misfortune apparent in Christian nations and governments, as well as among chiefs, as among subjects of the church and of the secular state, all originate and flow from the forgetfulness and contempt of the works of Christ and of the works of his redemption. If there were a way of rousing them to a sense of thankfulness, and to a sense of their duty as faithful and acknowledged children of their Creator and Redeemer, and of me, who am their intercessor, the wrath of the divine judgment would be appeased, and there would be some diminution of widespread ruin and perdition among Catholics. The Eternal Father, who is justly zealous for the honor of his Son, and rigorously chastises the servants, who know the will of their Lord and refuse to fulfill it, would again be reconciled. 2.21 The faithful in the Church make much of the sin of the infidel Jews in taking away the life of their God and Master. They are right in doing so, for it was most heinous crime and merited the punishment decreed against that people. But Catholics forget that their own sins are rendered heinous by other elements of guilt surpassing that of the Jews. For although their error was culpable, they esteemed it as truth in the end. Then also the Lord delivered himself up to them, allowing them to follow the counsels of hell by which they were oppressed for their sins. Luke twenty-two fifty-three. 53 In our days the Catholics are not in ignorance but in the fullness of the light by which they know and understand the divine mysteries of the Incarnation and Redemption. The Holy Church has been founded, spread out, made illustrious by miracles, by saints, by holy writings, by the knowledge and proclamation of truths unknown to the Jews, and in spite of all these multiplied advantages, blessings, truths, and enlightenments, many live like infidels, and as if they had not before their eyes so many inducements to draw them on and oblige them, nor so many chastisements to fill them with dread. How can Catholics then, under these circumstances, Imagine that the sins of others were greater or more grievous than their own. How can they presume that their punishment shall not be more lamentable? Or my daughter, ponder well this doctrine and be filled with a holy fear. Humiliate thyself to the dust and confess thyself the lowest of the creatures before the Most High. Look upon the works of thy Redeemer and Master. Imitate them and apply them sorrowfully to satisfy for thy own faults in sorrow and penance. Do thou imitate and follow me in my ways, as far as thou art enlightened from on high. And I wish that thou labor not only for thy own salvation, but also for the salvation of thy brethren. This thou must do by praying and suffering for them, charitably admonishing those thou canst, and eagerly doing for them more than is thy duty. Show thyself even more anxious to benefit those who have offended thee. Be patient with all and humiliate thyself below the most abject, according to the directions given thee before, be thou solicitous to assist with fervent charity and firm assurance those that are in the dangers of death. This concludes our reading today for day number 204. We've been reading from volume three, book five, chapter 19, paragraphs 216 to 221. Well, we hear the end of what we began yesterday. And one of the, interesting things. And we've heard this before, especially with the death of St. Joseph, Jesus and Mary being present at that time, what great protection that the people experienced. And we heard it today. If Jesus or Mary had previously come to the sick room, the demons could not enter and could exert no influence upon the sick persons who thus died in the powerful protection of the Lord. As the dragon felt this divine power without being able to account for it, he conceived an insane rage and anxiously sought means of counteracting the damage. So when a person is sick, when a person is near death, Jesus and Mary here are there in the room and then no evil can touch that person. Of course, Jesus and Mary can't physically be present in that room as they were during this time, during those hidden years. But if you are with someone who is sick or dying, invite the presence of the Lord there. Invite Our Lady to visit that person. Ask Our Lord and Our Lady to send the angels to protect that person. The supernatural truly is present at that hour. In the instruction of Our Lady, she talked to Maria of and as Maria of relates it, Our Lady speaks about the infidel Jews. The faithful in the church make much of the sin of the infidel Jews. And then it goes on, but Catholics forget that their own sins are rendered heinous by other elements of guilt, surpassing that of the Jews. And this is a very delicate topic, and just to briefly address it. But on Good Friday, there was always this prayer in the church's liturgy for uh, the Jewish people. And some of the language that was there wasn't the best. And so the church rewrote that prayer out of respect for our Jewish brothers and sisters. We realized that they were the first to receive the faith. That together with the Jews, we worship the same God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And so sometimes, you know, when we encounter language like this, we have to remember that Maria of Agreda is writing in a different time period. She's writing in the 17th century, whereas today there would have been greater sensitivity that would have been taken And finally, at the very end of the exhortation today, this thou must do by praying and suffering for them, charitably admonishing those thou canst and eagerly doing for them more than is thy duty. And this is talking about those who reject faith, those who are going down the wrong path in life. Pray and suffer for them. Do penance. Pray your rosary. It says, charitably admonish those thou canst. Well, maybe that's a family member who you have a good relationship with, that you can encourage them in the ways of God. But this is a very good spiritual practice, praying and sacrificing for the conversion of sinners. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow.